0: In in listeners, uh, I'm particularly good uh, because we're doing a follow-up episode of the podcast, and we're following up on what topic, Nia? The shadow docket, or I'm (laughs) going to call it, you
1: see, last week when you talked about it, you were like all calm and sort of like, here are the criticisms and blah, 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 blah. Well, not quite like that, because you don't really talk like that. You have a lot more intonation. But you did not in any way tell me that what it actually is should be known as the shenanigans docket, because it uh, here lately has set fire to everything, right? Like, yeah, you know, I get that you were saying. You were saying before, like part of what the shadow docket was about was sort of saying to the lower courts, we cannot be bothered to overturn this thing because you have annoyed us so much. Just do your jobs and send us stuff that we actually need to work on. Like, don't, you know, like that. But now that's not kind of not where we are, right? This has turned into sort of a a thing this season.
0: Yeah, the, 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 this has turned into a thing, and, and for listeners um, uh, who, you know, have committed the cardinal sin of not listening to the um, first <laughs> to the shadow previous docket episode, episode. Yeah, right? <laughs> basically, again, uh, conceptually, the shadow docket um, makes a reference um, to... Um, uh, a range of, okay and this is a direct quote from the scholar will body who uh, kind of sort of coined the 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 term shadow docket It right because it's
1: not an official like they don't have the yes. shadow docket of the supreme court of the united or, states
0: yeah so if you go to the supreme court website and type in shadow docket <laughs> nothing's going to pop up right yeah okay but the shadow docket is, quote, a range of orders and summary decisions that defy its, the Supreme Court's, normal procedural regularity, okay? And as we previously discussed, uh, the shadow docket has existed for most of the court's history. So, you know, there are any number of motions that are filed with the Supreme Court to overturn a death penalty sentence, for instance, that the court just summarily dismisses, right?
1: You said approximately 9,000 things come up before the court.
0: Yeah. And, and There's no
1: way they could...
0: They can hear all of this, right? Yeah. They're, not gonna, they're not gonna get written briefs and have oral arguments on everything. So most of what the court does falls onto the shadow docket. What became an issue particularly during the Trump administration, is the frequency in which the Trump administration went to the Supreme Court and said, there's a lower court here in the United States that has issued a ruling that stops one of our policies from ever being implemented. And what shocked Supreme Court observers and scholars is the frequency in which the Supreme Court would go ahead and issue an order either agreeing with the Trump administration or disagreeing with the Trump administration, right? Right. And so, listeners, me and I did the previous podcast episode just to go ahead and talk about this, if you will, phenomenon that was getting more attention. Right. What we didn't know (laughs) when we recorded the episode was it would become huge.
1: It would become a dumpster fire. Like, yeah. it would become a thing where now everybody walking by says, whoa, that thing's on fire. What is that? Oh, that's the shadow docket. Oh, okay. Yeah, when we recorded, and for listeners, we'll be honest with you, we recorded that in the summer, in the gentler time, when this had not yet turned into
0: I, I, I could a not thing have, where people yes. were
1: picketing and yelling and calling other people
0: names. And, I mean, this is really gone. Yeah, I mean, we we now have United States congressional hearings just about the shadow docket (laughs) exactly
1: should they be allowed to do that well dude they've been doing it for 200 years so uh because i remember asking you that is this a new thing you're like no it's been going on the whole time but it but part of that is right because of what they have decided with the shadow docket docket, that's in in the last little bit here so instead of the normal sort of innocuous we are not going to overturn this person's death penalty. We are not going to, we, we are going to quietly overturn this other thing and just leave it alone or whatever. Like, instead of that, we've gotten a couple of cases here lately that have been what you would think would have ended up in the regular yeah. system, so right, so where you get yeah, the so long, drawn out opinions and all that stuff. Oh, side note, there are no opinions in the shadow docket.
0: Well, is that correct? There can be, but they're typically not the full blown explanations of why we did X or why we did, you know, why we decided against Y. Okay. So
1: they're like the too long didn't read ones. (laughs) Right.
0: TLDRs. So, you know, again, for our listeners who don't really know how the Supreme Court operates, um, typically, um, uh, every year the Supreme Court gets. Anywhere, you know, nine, you know, 8,000 to 9,000 appeals, right? Um, And we discussed this um, in the summer of SCOTUS, the summer of 2020. And basically, it's if the Supreme Court decides to hear a case, then they schedule a date for the oral arguments. They ask both parties to submit written briefs. Um, and, you know, that process alone typically takes, at minimum, three to four months, right? And then their this clerks
1: is, scurry around writing things and finding yeah, precedent they write le- and doing yeah, all they, that they, stuff.
0: They write legal memorandums for the justice before the oral argument. They have oral arguments, then the justices meet in a conference. They take a vote, they assign opinions. And then it takes, you know, you know, two, three, four, five months in some cases to write opinions and then the court announces its decision with the opinions. But with the shadow docket, okay, a majority of the court could simply issue a ruling that says, you know, we're going to stop a lower federal court ruling or, as we will discuss here in just a few moments, We are not going to overturn a controversial state law.
1: XOXO, the Supreme (laughs)
0: Court. (laughs) Okay. And that's,
1: I mean, it doesn't have to be a lengthy. No, there are, in fact, it's not going to be a lengthy thing. Will there be dissents?
0: Sometimes with rulings in the shadow docket, there are dissents. And in fact, if you're going to get opinions on cases in the shadow docket, That's usually where you get the opinions okay? because the justices who are not in the majority are like, we should not have done this. Or in the case, again, that we'll discuss in just a few moments, the uh, infamous um, Texas abortion law, um, um, the dissenters are like, we should have done something. Right. Okay.
1: We should have done something. We should not have done something. The dissenters get to say, this is a bad idea.
0: Well, or what
1: is it in the movie? I have a bad feeling about this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right. Which which usually happens about the one hour mark of most Hollywood thrillers where some character says, I have a bad feeling about this, which is the most redundant thing that is said in that movie's dialogue. Right. You know, for we of, all
1: can see that it's a bad <laughs> yeah, thing. Like, yeah. oh yeah, we know what's about to happen. Don't open the door to the basement. It's not yeah. gonna it's not gonna end well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. So let's so, talk about these cases. This, these couple of cases that
0: okay so the first one um actually happened at the end of August. Uh the name of the case uh, is,
1: August 2021 for those of yes,
0: us for yes. future us yes, who are listening back to this in 20 yes. years. Yeah, August 26, 2021, uh, the case was the Alabama Association of Realtors versus the Department of Health and Human Services. Um, The Supreme Court uh, held in a six to three vote um, that um, uh, the court was going to lift a stay of a district court injunction. Basically, the court said a district court ruling could go into effect that concluded that if the realtor's lawsuit ever went to trial, Health and Human Services, the federal government would likely lose the case. Now, what was at issue in this case, okay, was- Oh, is this the eviction
1: moratorium?
0: This was the eviction moratorium. Okay. Okay, so a unit of Health and Human Services is the Centers for Disease Control. Otherwise known as the CDC the CDC and the CDC has been doing a lot of stuff here in roughly the last 18 months because right. of COVID- covid-19, right?
1: People for for <clears throat> most of my yep. lifetime ha- would not have been able to tell you what CDC stands for. Yes. Right because they had not had any dealings with the, the CDC, centers, yeah, for the, the Center for Disease, of- Disease Control. And now dude, they're in the news. All day, every day, because they, yes. are de- they are the front line dealing with the pandemic. That's right. Which we are currently so, still in.
0: Yes. So to give a little bit of historical background about the eviction moratorium, the Trump administration through the CDC issued an eviction moratorium. The Congress passed a law that extended that eviction moratorium for a short period of time. The Trump administration continued it through the end of 2020. When the Biden administration took office, it continued the Trump administration's eviction moratorium, but that ended at the end of June, 2021. Now in June, the Supreme Court, okay, um, was asked to rule on whether or not the eviction moratorium was legal. In other words, did the CDC have the statutory authority to issue the eviction moratorium? The Supreme Court issued a shadow docket ruling that allowed that eviction moratorium to continue because it was gonna end within a month. And the key vote was Justice Brett Kavanaugh who actually wrote a concurring opinion where he said, on the merits, I think the CDC would lose. But since the eviction moratorium is going to end in a month, I'm going to vote to let the eviction moratorium continue. But he sent a very right. clear message.
1: Basically, okay. what he was saying was if we followed the three to four month process, this would already be over and the point would be moot. Yeah. Which if you go back to the summer of SCOTUS, we discovered, we, we talked about what happens when a point becomes moot. Then the court is like, okay, well, there's no reason to even talk about this now.
0: Yeah, So. Yeah, the issue is no longer—it's um, um, uh, no longer a case, right? Right. So, uh, so you know, he the, was the, basically
1: the, saying, by the time we get around to this, yeah. it should no longer be a case. But if it were going to be a case, CDC would lose because we don't believe they have the—I don't believe they have the constitutional power well, or the, the consti- sorry, the legal, the, the legal power. Sorry, the yeah. legal power to to have an eviction moratorium.
0: Yes. Okay. So almost every legal scholar who read the previous ruling before the Alabama, Alabama, Alabama Realtors Association case basically said, OK, interpreted what the Supreme Court did as sending a very clear message to the political branches of the federal government. And Nia, the, the message was this, if Those branches want an eviction moratorium. It would have to be which branch, okay, that created the policy, Congress, right? Okay, because they would have
1: to grant the the
0: agency the the authority to issue an eviction moratorium in response to a public health crisis, right? Because The the Biden administration initially interpreted that previous shadow docket rolling as putting handcuffs on the administration. But members of Congress pushed back and said, the Biden administration has to do something. So the Biden administration changed course and issued a new eviction moratorium. The new eviction moratorium focused on the parts of the country that were already suffering the uh, effects of the Delta variant of uh, uh, COVID-19, right? But at that point, 90% of the country, okay, was suffering the effects of the Delta variant.
1: Well, and pinning it to something like that, that's a moving target. Like that constantly is going to be changing,
0: which means that, that
1: local people trying to figure out whether they have whether they have to comply with an an eviction notice or not, what are you supposed to look up at your local health department and figure out whether you're in the red zone or the yellow zone or the green zone? Like, and that's going to change day to day. That's just an impossible.
0: That's an impossible standard for people to follow in regards to, if you will, a law, but it's also the kind of thing that federal court judges typically don't like, right? Well, it's too squishy they want a very clear standard, right? right? Because judges believe that law sets behavioral norms. And if the standard is always changing, you don't have a clear behavioral norm, right?
1: Well, and you don't have consistent application of the law, which is the yeah. other part that yeah. judges really like is for is to be able to say from case to case, what, what's the consistent yeah. How can I consistently apply the law here? Okay.
0: So on August 26th, six justices issued a per curiam opinion. Now, a per curiam opinion does not have, okay, a stated justice who wrote the opinion. Okay? Oh. Per curiam means basically, okay, um, the, the voice of the body, right? Okay. So oh,
1: per the majority.
0: Per the majority, right? Okay. Okay. But in the per curiam opinion, six of the justices, and by the way, it was all six of the so-called conservatives, right? Right. Of so course. Th- this is one of the this is one of the the complaints about how the Supreme Court has been using the shadow docket. It's usually five or six of the conservative justices that are issuing okay the ruling right? So it is coming across as partisan, right? It's coming across as partisan. But they basically went ahead and said, if this case ever went to trial, we suspect, okay, that on the merits, the, C- the CDC would lose. The CDC's authorizing statute does not mention that agency having the authority to issue an eviction moratorium.
1: Which they made clear that Congress could fix by passing a law. They regularly do that, the the SCOTUS. They regularly say, but if you wanted this to pass muster, here's how you would make that happen. You would make a Congress could make a law which would give the authorities to the CDC to, to control a moratorium eviction in cases of whatever, whatever, whatever. And Congress could go forth and do that, except that Congress, of course, is one of the most partisan locked bodies on the planet.
0: Yeah, it's so hyper-partisan right now. And in in truth be told. Yeah, a United dinner States...
1: between me and, me and Putin would go better <laughs> than what happens in Congress right now, most of the time. Yeah, and right. I'm just here to say, I'm not a fan of Mr. Putin, just so okay. you know.
0: Yeah, so I mean, you have a situation to where Congress has the constitutional authority. Congress could go ahead and say, that in eviction moratorium, it could be a toll of the CDC because of the Commerce Clause Authority, right? Right.
1: Public health across the nation, across interstate.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, what goes on in one state, okay, concerning the pandemic could have an economic impact on surrounding states or across the country, Right. Right. Now, Even
1: though public health is generally in the purview of the states, states
0: this in this is particular
1: one of, instance, they. They I mean, could yeah. give that power, but. Yeah, know, I mean, they haven't. You
0: know, but but, the, you know, Congress has not Three justices in the dissent um, joined um, uh, Justice Breyer's dissenting de, uh, opinion.
1: So Breyer, Sotomayor and Kagan.
0: That's right. OK. OK. Um, they leveled two criticisms about the Supreme Court's decision in this case. Um, One, um, they would have deferred to the expertise of the CDC um, or two, they would have allowed the moratorium to go through and they would have uh, had the Supreme Court to follow its normal process on hearing a case on its merits, on its merits. Okay. well
1: and then decide it for real forever like yes. yeah
0: okay. instead of
1: this weird place where from the shadow docket people will think that it wasn't fully vetted that it wasn't fully heard
0: yeah i mean because you know
1: because it didn't go through the process you just previously mentioned of the four month yeah to I mean, six month process of you know hearings and yeah come across, it, and all that other stuff
0: yeah nia comes across as a temporary rolling Right.
1: Right. Comes across as a bandaid or a piece of tape across a, you know,
0: yeah. Yeah. a door yeah. frame,
1: which isn't going to hold.
0: Yeah. Right. You know, hey, I have a cracked window and I don't know when the window repair folks are going to come out. So I'm going to go ahead and pull out some, you know, some duct, duct tape, tape. tape or electrical <laughs> tape. Right. And I hope that no bad weather actually occurs until the window repair people come out and fix my damn window. Right. OK. Um So that was in August.
1: (laughs) But in reality, that shadow docket ruling is a ruling.
0: Yes. Yes. It's
1: just that it's not satisfying to the people who wanted to be a, a, who wanted the process to be longer and more involved so that they could argue more about it, right? Like-
0: Nia, there are two critiques in general, of the shadow docket rulings. One is on the effect on policy, right? So, you know, the parties in a case, partisans are like, we don't like the outcome, okay, because it affects policy in this regard. The second gets at what you just mentioned, okay? This is a short term, temporary ruling that doesn't have the effect of your standard on the merits ruling that we get with the normal Supreme Court process. It's less transparent. And mind you, the Supreme Court's not the most transparent of federal (laughs) government institutions (laughs) in the first place. Right? Okay. But there's the second criticism is more of an institutional democratic small d, okay? Criticism, right? This is a government institution that's issuing a ruling that could affect, I mean, with the eviction moratorium, we're talking talking about millions of renters and millions of people who own rental properties. Right. right? It's complex.
1: It's a complex issue, and it feels like it didn't get fully pulled apart.
0: Yeah, the full discussion, the full debate.
1: Okay, and the way you get in a full ruling where you get all the concurrences and all the dissents and all the legal
0: yeah, questions I
1: mean, it, that get pulled apart
0: it really in, a, under, in a
1: full hearing—it
0: really undercuts the court's legitimacy. Right? Yeah, um, because we typically believe that when the Supreme Court issues a ruling, that ver, you know nine very smart people, okay, have reflected on these frequently complex legal and political issues
1: well and we like to believe they've done research and they've thought about it and they've talked about it and they've had these long midnight conversations and all that other kind i don't know if that's really what happens but we like to believe that's what happens and this doesn't have that feel by the same token it's still a ruling and it still holds right like it's not Yes. It's not just because I don't like it doesn't mean, or I don't like the way it was done. I actually, um, I have lots of opinions and feelings about this particular case anyway, yeah, because, you, it's, you, because it's yeah, nuanced. You, it's complex.
0: Yeah. You, you and I have talked, um, off recording, uh, about the eviction moratorium I and mean, both you and I, um, as is our want. Um, I mean, again, look at the title of the podcast, civil discourse, <laughs> um, uh, we're somewhat torn, right? Because right. we don't want people to get evicted because they can't pay their rent, right? right? On the other hand, a lot of rental properties are not owned by big corporations that can withstand months of not receiving revenue. Exactly. A lot, a lot of rental properties are owned by small businesses or people who own rental properties as a way to make some extra cash
1: Right. And if they
0: don't get the rent, okay, they They lose the properties, they lose the property because they can't continue to pay the mortgage or pay the taxes or pay the maintenance upkeep, etc. So, you know, and
1: and I worry about that in terms of wealth building for those smaller owners yes right because that's wealth building that they then pass on to the next generation and especially in communities of color that's enormous that's a huge yes. way that those communities can improve their children's lives is to is to hand them over some wealth in terms of asset so yeah it's a it is complicated i don't want to see people booted on the street but by the same token i don't want to see mom and pop operations lose their lose their assets so yes. yeah Uh I I can see why this was I also think I mean part of what we have here is there is the emotional reaction to people being made homeless which I would go on the record as saying no one wants no one wants to see people evicted not Republicans not Democrats not the worst people among us of either party want to see people living on the street or living in their car that's not like that's just not a, a thing that I think the vast majority of Americans want for anybody. So it's not like that.
0: Yeah, and and but it's
1: plucks your heartstrings in ways that makes it complicated for you to have a discussion about it in what you were talking about in a civil way.
0: Yeah. And you know, the institutionalist in me, okay, goes back to the concurring opinion that Brett Kavanaugh wrote, Justice Kavanaugh wrote in the previous case about the eviction of moratorium. I mean, he sent a very clear message to the other institutions of the federal government, okay? <laughs> you could um, fix this. Okay, and and you need to fix this, Right. okay? Because if you don't, more than likely this body is going to uphold the rule of law, okay? Right. We're going to uphold the rule of law. And you guys can go ahead and blame us, okay? But at the end of the day, in our separation of powers arrangement, the two branches that have the authority to do something about it, okay, are the Congress and the president. And the Congress hasn't given the president the authority to do the eviction moratorium, okay? But then we have I was gonna say, and we thought that
1: was bad right we were like oh this shadow docket thing we need to think about this this sucks and then and then the justices said hold our beer (laughs) we have we have something else we'd like to talk to you about (laughs) i'm
0: not even entirely sure the justices said that the state of texas said that oh okay okay (laughs) and the supreme court justices are like do we have to really drink this beer okay (laughs) What we're so, talking about what we're talking about. I was gonna about. say
1: that's our our abortion yes. case. What's the name of that? Oh wait, first of all, let me caveat Augie and I are not going to discuss the merits or non-merits of the question of abortion. Yeah. Because right? that is that is beyond the scope of this podcast. We are not yeah. going to have that discussion here. Yeah, there are lots right. of feelings on all sides and we're not we're no, not we're, here to talk about that we're what we're talking about is the ruling in this case, not the underpinning ethical questions
0: or the merits et cetera, et cetera involved right? in yeah. in
1: women's reproductive health because that's not
0: like yeah, I said that's not our scope yeah we're the, the reason why we're talking about the Texas abortion law case, and it was a texas law s b eight okay. So it was the. So eight.
1: It's pretty early in their
0: uh, their legislative term. And that right. This. Yes. because
1: okay. For anybody who doesn't quick aside House Bill HB. Right. Um, Senate Bill SB. Right. House bills and Senate bills are numbered consecutively in a new term of either the state general assembly or in the case of the Congress, which yes. is why you see them numbered in this sort of weird way hp 2486 means that is the 2486th bill to be presented to the house of representatives and so in this case sb8 8, 8 being a low number i'm so guessing one was their budget probably or something like that yeah
0: typically that's what that's the case yeah so it
1: tells you the also the importance level that that a group has put on that numerically, if they come out of the gate pushing,
0: yeah, I mean it. it was submitted early on in the Texas legislative session. Right. right, its
1: it, its intent is to get it out there. So that should that's just an aside for the numbering, not important to this ruling.
0: So the 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 Supreme Court's ruling. Uh, so the shadow- name of the case. Um. Uh. The name of the case is. Whole Women's Health versus Jackson. Okay,
1: I will link to that.
0: And the Supreme Court um, uh, ruling uh, came out on Thursday, September 9th, late in the evening.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, remember Nixon with his midnight firings?
0: Yes. This is well, like a
1: mig, a midnight ruling. Like,
0: well, here, let's I put said, it out,
1: and then on third, because they don't meet on Fridays, right? So, like, let's put it out, and then we'll, well be I mean, gone for the weekend, and maybe people will forget by Monday.
0: Well, the Supreme Court, when it's in session, will meet on Fridays, because that's oh, okay. usually when they do their uh, one of their uh, weekly conference dates. Um, oh, okay. But right now, the Supreme Court's on furlough, right? They don't come back until the last week of September to have their big conference. On oh, the-
1: that's right. The first Monday the- in October, is, October there- is when
0: they have their, you know, uh, uh, their first set of oral arguments. Right. There's a
1: rather famous book titled that, isn't there? Yes, yeah, first, first Monday, Monday of October.
0: October. I-, I have to admit, when I said the phrase late in the evening, I thought about the old, old Paul Simon song, okay? <laughs> where he was talking about late in the evening in the city of New York, right? <laughs> late in the evening right okay and then he talks about all the shenanigans that go on in new york city late (laughs) in the evening right okay anyways we digress we Um, do a little bit yes so the texas law banned abortions after the sixth week in a woman's pregnancy but what was okay so that's particularly problematic Okay, in regards to Supreme Court precedent, okay, because uh, according to the Supreme Court's ruling in Planned Parenthood versus Casey, any law or regulation that places an undue burden, and that's the standard, undue burden on a woman's right to choose, is unconstitutional. Okay.
1: Yeah, and most women do not know that they are pregnant within six weeks of conception.
0: Yes. Right. Um, you know, most studies that I'm aware of identify it typically takes most women at least eight, if not 12 weeks. Right.
1: Right. Because you uh, for people who don't have a period, you have to miss a couple of them before yes. you think to yourself, huh, I wonder if I'm pregnant. Yes. Unless you are striving to get pregnant, in which case none of this would apply to you because you would not be planning an abortion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But what was really novel about this law was the enforcement regime, okay, of the law. Instead of having state prosecutors enforce the law, the state of Texas gave private citizens the right to sue abortion providers in civil court. And if a private citizen could show a state civil court that an abortion provider violated the law and provided an abortion after the sixth week, the violators would have to pay fines.
1: Wait, 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 wait. That sounds to me like, all right, saddle up, posse. We're going out and we're going after some people, which in the Wild West, I know Texas, right, thinks it's the Wild West, was actually something that you did. But is that really how we do law? Well, <laughs> I mean, that seems weird to me. Is that weird? That seems weird.
0: It, it is unusual. Um, and, and, and it led uh, some commentators uh, to refer to this as vigilante justice, right? Right.
1: I mean, that's what it feels like. It feels, like I said, sad lot. People were going after some abortion providers or whoever, or or if you had some other like if this wasn't an abortion case, but it was some other thing, that still seems kind of weird that you would take it out of the hands of state prosecutors.
0: And what many Americans don't understand is that, okay, Neil, on one hand, you are correct, right? Typically, when we pass laws that regulate individuals' behaviors or even corporations' behaviors, right? we have agents of the state enforce the law.
1: Right. right, I don't track down people who are here illegally and drive them to the border and boot them out of the country. Yes, There's an sorry. agency that does that with people who are trained to do that safely and carefully, theoretically, safely and carefully.
0: Now, you and I, OK, don't try to track down speeders on the interstate. <laughs> Right. Yes. Okay. We I would never I'd pull
1: somebody over and yell, slow down and then, you know, let them go. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would get me shot probably. And it would not be a good thing.
0: Yeah. Right. OK.
1: Also talk about arbitrary. Right. If you leave it to citizens.
0: Yeah. And that's part of the logic of having agents of the state. They have received their positions because of their training, expertise, background, etc.
1: Well, and theoretically apply it equally. Yes. I mean, I know it's not, and we have huge problems with the justice system, but in a, but in a good justice system, all of it would be applied equally.
0: I mean, because it's, it's the logic of the modern democracy, right? right? It's what Max Weber referred to in his classic piece, you know, the ideal type, right? Okay, democratic societies would evolve to be bureaucratic, if you will, regimes, where it's the position, not necessarily the people, right? So, you know, just because you and I, for instance, Nia may hate speeders on the interstate, okay, we're not law enforcement, right? Right. Right? Yeah, what I get to do is
1: yell in my car about how much you're a maniac for going past me at 90 miles an hour. Yeah, But I, I don't get to do anything other than that.
0: Yeah, I get to cuss you because you caused me to spill, you know, my coffee. Right. right. <laughs>
1: but but that's pretty much the end of it. Like, that's yeah, the end right. of my authority. And it's a good thing
0: because yes. I, yeah, there it, are I, days
1: I, where I wouldn't be bothered because I'd be on my way somewhere and I'd be like, whatever. And there'd be other days where I would over-enforce. Like, that's the thing. Okay. Yeah. So anyway.
0: But, and here's the rub, as Shakespeare would say. Ah, we love Shakespeare. Yes, uh, for liberals, we do have certain types of laws that allow private citizens to bring lawsuits, okay, to, if you will, punish other private sector behavior. Oh, yeah,
1: if you put garbage in the river, and I find out you did it. I can, I can sue the ever-living snot out of you for ruining that's right. my access to the water.
0: So many federal and state environmental laws give private citizens the right to file a suit in that, you know, jurisdiction's courts. Okay.
1: To punish um, that behavior or to make it stop
0: or uh, etc. Right? Right. So we have environmental statutes, government fraud statutes. Okay, you know, if you, for instance, become aware that a government government official is engaged in fraud, you can bring the lawsuit. And again, the logic is: can we actually trust government officials to prosecute other government officials when it might be those government officials who are engaged in fraudulent behavior?
1: Right. Like what a more accurate um governmental example for me in t- in terms of environment would be me suing the EPA for not enforcing
0: yes the okay.
1: garbage putting into the James River when I want to go rafting right like that would be me saying to both the company that did it and to the state and to the city Y'all need to, somebody needs to fix this. This is not okay.
0: Okay, that's right. And part
1: of what you're doing with that is to stop the behavior, which is what Texas is after when they're saying that private citizens can sue providers.
0: Providers, not women.
1: Right. right? You can't sue the, the person who's having the medical procedure, but you can pursue, you can pursue the person who is doing the medical
0: procedure, procedure and
1: right. sue them.
0: Yes. The classic because so, the if they had
1: made it about the women, it would have immediately been shot down.
0: Like, yeah, be- because unless the Supreme Court is willing to go ahead and say and overturn
1: Roe v. Wade,
0: overturn Roe v. Wade and Planned, Parenth- Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which you know, again, Texas was smart, they knew the Supreme Court hadn't done that yet, right? And might not ever do it, right? But the classic example of this kind of enforcement regime is Title 7 of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Title 7 of the 1964 Civil Rights Act prohibits private sector employers from discriminating based on a number of characteristics. Ah. race, gender, age, religion, um, uh, national origin, ethnicity, Okay. Which
1: allows you to sue if, in the interview, they ask you if you're married and you say yes, and they say, huh, and then they don't hire you.
0: Or, you know, um, they fire you. Or what you your
1: ethnicity is. or is your, a, Yeah,
0: they fire you because of your race, okay? Right. You don't go to a federal agency and ask the federal agency to prosecute the business. You, you go to an
1: employment to- lawyer.
0: You have a right as a private citizen to bring a lawsuit against that business. Right. Okay. And that's what was novel about this law. So.
1: So part of the problem here emotionally, please correct me if I'm wrong, is that people are reacting to the abortion part of it.
0: Yes. And.
1: And. It's,
0: well, it's but what the supreme court ruled on was
1: was the enforcement part of it
0: yes because and saying
1: we do this in other cases why can't we do it in this case
0: and whole whole women's health organization okay brought the lawsuit okay before any private citizen in texas filed a claim to enforce the law
1: yeah cuz that was coming
0: And five justices, Thomas, Alito, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Coney Barrett held that the Supreme Court did not have the jurisdiction to issue an injunction to stop the enforcement of the law. Why? Because typically, federal courts only stop the enforcement of the law by the actors But there's no state actor who is enforcing the law. And at the point of the lawsuit, no private citizen had filed a lawsuit against an abortion provider. So as far as the Supreme Court was concerned, at least five of the justices, okay, we don't have jurisdiction because nobody has yet tried to enforce the law. We stop actors. Uh, we so, don't stop laws. So we that are... means
1: that if there is a lawsuit, and then there is a countersuit of you shouldn't be allowed to do this, you yes. shouldn't be allowed to sue me, that then might the... make its way up to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court. That's where right. Where they would, where these five yes. would then have to say, "Oh, I guess we do have to take this case, and we do have to rule on."
0: Okay. The merits of the case, including so the all they did exemption. was
1: take a can and kick it
0: door, sure. just in a fact, little bit out into the yard. In fact, Nia, that's the way I described it in one of my classes. I said, OK, all 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 that these five justices did was basically say you brought whole women's health. You brought your lawsuit too soon. You jumped the gun. You jumped the gun. OK. But what did the four say? Ah, okay. Now, the four justices who would have issued an injunction to stop this law from going into effect. So our three liberals. Yeah, the three liberals and Chief Justice John Roberts. Roberts said the court should have issued an injunction because the enforcement regime was so unusual with this constitutional right. Okay, so he okay. did
1: actually make it about abortion.
0: About abortion. In because, that sense,
1: he was like, mm, "Those because, other things are different, and this uh, this applies differently. We should have, we yes. should do something about this."
0: Yes. Okay. The three liberals all wrote separately to go ahead and say the court should have claimed uh, a jurisdiction. Okay, and issued the injunction because quite clearly. This was the state of Texas attacking a constitutional right. Right. So they were even more emphatic than the Chief Justice. Roberts was just like, hey, wait a minute here. This is an unusual enforcement regime.
1: And you can hear him saying that. This is most unusual.
0: This is we should
1: we should should take a break and pause on this, which is what an injunction. An injunction is just
0: a pause, right? That's just a legal word for pause. Yeah, we're going to pause all proceedings on this until we have a case on the merits. The three liberals were just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Texas you, is. A you tag- are not
1: going to do an end run on getting rid of Roe v. Wade and the right, a woman's right, a woman's right to have reproductive autonomy.
0: Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um. So where are we where? Which are is we- interesting
1: because most of the media reported it as the five coming out pro-life and that is not actually what no what they're doing what they're doing is saying no 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 you're not following the process
0: you got to follow the process which again is one of the great ironies of the shadow docket ruling on the texas abortion law because you got the five, five justices who issued the ruling saying we got to follow the process. But one of the criticisms of the shadow docket is the Supreme Court's not doing what? Following the process. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, the shadow docket, it's just a mess. But so so, in part, part of the problem partisan-wise about the how it's being viewed in the media, especially this case, right, is that you have, Democrats seeing it as an attack on reproductive rights. Yes. Not keeping in mind that they like it when it applies to...
0: The environmental laws, government fraud laws. Civil rights, right? Like, I mean, the the, the 1964 Civil Rights Act is considered the landmark federal civil rights law, right? I mean... you and I've discussed it in this podcast, right? right. It was the biggie, right? Um, and, 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 as, and as you, have, you know, ironically, you know, complained, it was based on the commerce clause. Right? Okay. Yeah, which you know,
1: everything comes back to the commerce clause,
0: doesn't it? Okay. But I mean, so this this is part of the conflict, right? And I and, and I. And again, when I discussed this ruling in my classes, okay, a lot of my students, okay, were just like, and, 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 and the way I described it was the Texas legislature was basically rubbing liberals' nose in the fact that they adopted an enforcement regime that liberals like in other areas of law. But then I also cautioned my conservative students.
1: I was going to say there's another side to this, though, isn't there, in this partisan question?
0: If the Supreme Court doesn't finally address this kind of enforcement regime, okay, you shouldn't be too comfortable, okay, with the success that Texas might have. Because what happens if liberal democratic states decide to go after rights that you, as conservatives, like and enjoy oh enjoy. so like, like gun rights yes i said though
1: so you shoot me in in california right and california has put in a regime where the the state tries you for a crime but my family can sue smith and wesson for providing you with the method that harms me
0: or okay Let's say there is a gun crime and the police can't collect enough evidence to point to who may have used the gun. They find the gun, but they don't know who used the gun. But you as family members of the victim of gun crime could sue perhaps the gun store owner, the Uh. maker of the gun. And what happens to legal gun sales in a state where private citizens okay family members loved ones of victims of gun crime can sue the owners of gun shops who sold the guns or the manufacturers of guns
1: they're the gun provider
0: yeah that's right they're the gun provider in the language of the texas abortion law okay you don't go after, okay, the, um, the state, you go after the provider of, okay. Whatever the, the
1: thing is.
0: You know, the device, the service, etc. cetera. The
1: means, the method, yep.
0: Yes, okay. okay. Um, and, and, and you should...
1: So this is a dangerous, oh. this is dangerous territory we're in now.
0: Yeah, and, and, and again...
1: I, I agree am... with you, by the way, Texas, Texas said, hold my beer, and the Supreme Court's like, no, nah, we don't want to hold your beer. No, 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 no.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, uh, yeah, because it, it, it was fairly obvious that. Uh, but if you <laughs> your beer just... has
1: a giant can of worms in it. That's your beer. Yeah. <laughs>
0: your, your your can of beer has holes, okay, and, 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 and your beer is getting all over me right now, okay? <laughs> right. And, and oh, I'm my not goodness. A beer, I'm not a beer drinker. I'm a wine drinker, or I'm a scotch drinker, Right. I don't like beer. Okay. Um, Get this away from me. Yeah. like Uh, But.
1: Okay. So it's not as cut and dried as the media is making it sound.
0: Yeah. And and it's
1: pretty complex. I mean, it's going to end up coming back. This is a zombie ruling, right? Because this will end up coming back as soon as someone attempts to
0: To enforce the provisions of the law. And and as I told my students and listeners, um, um, I I definitely think uh, you should look for uh, the Supreme Court's ruling in this case. Um, This coming term, which again begins next month, um, the Supreme Court has agreed uh, to hear a challenge to the Mississippi abortion law. The Mississippi abortion law uh, prohibits abortions after the 15th week. Um, Mississippi uh, modeled, at least the time frame, on what we see in many Western European democracies, which ban abortions after the 16th week, okay? Right. Mississippi, and the name of the case is, uh, uh, the first name party in the case is Hobbs, H-O-B-B-S. Mississippi has directly asked the Supreme Court to overturn its precedence in Planned Parenthood versus Casey from 1992 and Roe v. Wade in 1973. So, depending on how the Supreme Court rules in that case, you know, I could easily see the Supreme Court issuing a ruling in the Hobbs case. And then when the Texas law does finally get enforced and appealed the whole way to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court will say to Texas, to the Texas courts, you mu- or the, uh, the lower federal courts, um, you must decide any challenge to the Texas law um, in ways consistent with our ruling in the Hobbs case. So Hobbs is going to be extremely important, because that's where, again, you know, you have written written arguments, you have, or excuse me, written briefs, you have oral arguments. This case has, you know, taken a couple years to get to the Supreme Court. So so it's going
1: to go through the full vetting process.
0: Full vetting process. And and
1: transparent in the sense of when we get the rulings, they will be long,
0: because they will be. and there
1: will be concurrences and dissents and we will get all of the legal argument as the justices see it standing now.
0: Yes, right.
1: So can I just wrap up with asking you a question? Sure. Do you think they regret using the shadow docket in this in these instances with the firestorm that it has sort
0: of brought? I mean Nia, I'm gonna go back to a comment that I made in the previous episode about the shadow docket. I really get the sense that some of the justices are getting tired of lower federal court, and in some cases, state Supreme Court judges, but typically lower federal court judges issuing nationwide injunctions that have the effect, Of either stopping or allowing policy to go through for the entire country before the case has been fully debated, discussed among the lower courts. I really think there is is a cadre, and I don't know how big, but I get the sense that there are three or four justices on the current Supreme Court who really want to send a clear message to lower federal court judges you guys have to stop issuing nationwide injunctions. That we live in a democracy and the political branches get to enact and enforce regulations. And only after they have been applied, if people bring cases to challenge those laws and regulations, only then do the courts get to step in. Okay? I really, so I think maybe some of the justices, depending on the case, regret using the shadow docket or are critical of their colleagues for using the shadow docket, but I think there are at least three or four justices. And if I had to venture a guess, the justices are Thomas, Gorsuch, Elito, and to a certain extent, Kavanaugh, okay? I don't know about Coney Barrett yet, okay? She's only on... You know, a lot of folks don't recognize.
1: She's still a freshman in a lot of
0: ways. Yeah, she's been on the court for less than a year. Right. right? Okay. She hasn't
1: set a full session yet. She hasn't done a lot of, yeah. Okay.
0: Um, But I think those three or four justices are like, okay, you know, you got, you know, the lower federal courts, many many of those judges were appointed by Democratic presidents, okay, thought they were saving the country from Trump. But you engaged in practices that now can be turned around and used against President Biden. Right. Okay.
1: Right. Um, and we are. it is not our job to be partisan. Yes. The courts should not be partisan. Yes. We're not taking sides. We should not be taking sides in the political debate. We should be answering the question of whether this thing is constitutional
0: or, or legal. legal. Yeah. Yep. but,
1: or regulatory, but not whether this is a, what we're not, we're not debating the ethical or moral.
0: Is, is this good policy or bad policy? Right,
1: that's right? not the question we're here okay. to answer as the courts. The, the question we're here to answer as the courts is, is this legal? Can you do this under statute, under regulation, under this, this constitution? If no, then no. If yes, then man, I don't like it, but it's But it, it, but it's legal. It's legal for you to do it.
0: So, and Nia, to conclude, I'm actually
1: kind of with them on that. I hate to say, that makes me feel a little bad. But it (laughs) is. But there's, there's a part of me that's like, yeah, no. But that's not the role of the courts. The role of the court is to say whether something is legal or not. And if it does venture an opinion as to what could make something legal, then it has to punt that to the, to the.
0: Political branches right, yes. and say to yes. the
1: political branches, "Hey, you know y'all could fix this, and then it would be fine,
0: and if exactly. they choose
1: not to do that or they are incapable of doing that because they're incapable of making it happen, that's not the court's problem the The court has told you what you could do
0: and I think it's noteworthy uh it, and then you know, kind of sort of wrap up this episode, Mia, I think it's noteworthy that we are recording this episode um, um right after two of the justices, Stephen Breyer and Amy Coney Barrett have recently gone ahead and said in public forums that the court is not made up of partisans, okay? We have different philosophical and interpretive approaches, but our job is to interpret the law or the constitution or regulation, okay, Um, and settle concrete disputes. I mean, Breyer's running around TV, okay, (laughs) shilling his new book, okay, and he keeps on getting asked, one, when he's going to retire, and two. Yeah, which, by
1: the way, if anybody's listening, quit asking him that.
0: Yes. It's rude.
1: It's rude. That's, you don't ask people when they're going to, are you dead yet? Like, (laughs) stop. Stop. Okay, golly days. I mean, uh, he, I don't say that because I have any particular love for Breyer. having listened to several of his interviews. I'm not a huge fan. But, but by the same token, leave the man alone, let him retire when he wants to. Good
0: golly. Well, yeah, and I think he's made it very clear. He, he doesn't want to die in office.
1: But mm-hmm. he's also not going this, this term.
0: So, yeah, I mean, yeah, i knock it off I,
1: until next summer when you can start asking him again, I guess.
0: But I'm not stu- going to quit
1: midterm.
0: I've told students um, as long as uh, Justice Breyer stays away from bicycles, because um, <laughs> he's had a couple bicycle uh, um, incidents that he suffered injuries, right? As long as he stays away from bicycles, and I think by all accounts, he stopped riding bicycles okay um he's healthy right okay. and if you read his opinions last term he quite obviously is enjoying his work and okay.
1: he's still of sound mind whether yes. you agree with him or not which is a separate aside he is of sound mind and i think it's interesting that he and and amy coney barrett justice barrett is uh she is the youngest yes and he is one of the older, one of the oldest, if not the he, oldest.
0: He is the oldest, yes.
1: Right, and they're both saying the yes. same thing. They're both saying, you know, this doesn't need, this is not about partisanship, this is not, that's not our job.
0: And and and, and 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 I can understand, you know, I'm a political scientist, okay? The dominant perspective in political science is to conclude that judges are just as, partisan, and policy-oriented as members of the political branches, but for those who work in those jobs, in those institutions, they will attest, okay, swear under oath, okay, in public fora, okay, we're not partisan.
1: Well, and we do see them occasionally do what we think of as crossover or going or oh, going yeah, they'll, they'll, because they'll, they'll, what they're using is the they're trying to be consistent with what they believe how you should read the Constitution, decision. how you should, yes, it, how yes. you should enforce the law. And if that forces them into a position where they're over there with a judge, a, a justice that they normally would not
0: vote with, yeah,
1: you know, then they're kind of stuck because they sort of have to do that if they're going to be consistent with it, their they, own. It, Stuff. And I'm sorry, you were wrapping us up and then I got off, off on a tangent.
0: But, 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 but to your point, Nia, okay, and when they do end up voting with people on the allegedly other side of the ideological spectrum, then their advocates complain that they're being unfaithful. Right. So, so they're. What do you want of,
1: from these people? Damned yeah, if they so do and damned, damned if, they, if don't. they
0: don't. Right.
1: Okay. I'm like. You're too partisan. You're not partisan enough. Oh, my goodness. What do you want from me? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, there are, You know, there are days when that's what they do. They're drinking their coffee mug and they're reading something in the paper. And then they just slam it down and say, what do you people want from me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh. Well, thank you, Augie, for talking to us us about these cases. I'm sure that we will touch on the new case when it comes through, the Hobbs case, um, which I'm assuming won't be until the new year, because it'll take that long, probably, to write all of the...
0: Yeah, uh, of the cases that are already on the court's docket for October and November, there are two... Uh, one's the Hobbs case about the Mississippi abortion law. And then the other one is the um, uh, New York um, uh, gun control case. Okay. I have a feeling um, a lot of justices will want to write opinions. So we uh-huh. might not get those rollings till April. Until 2022. <laughs> right. Okay.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we'll come back then and talk about it then.
0: All right. Sounds good, Nia. Thanks. Thank you. You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU Libraries. Special thanks to the workshop for technical assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.